On Young SAO, welcome to Afternoona Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the haul you wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. Happy Wednesday. Woo. We love Wednesdays. <laughs> Did you just blow a whistle? What was that? Well, you know, lately I've been recording in my daughter's room, and so we have this, a little wind chime hanging, and then right next to it was a whistle, so I thought I could just do a little... little honorary whistle? You know, pretend like I'm like the tugboat captain on Megan's cruise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut up. People are people are already pressing the Yeah, so we want to start first by acknowledging that today <laughs> um today I on Instagram uh noticed that one of our listeners, Sarah from K Drama This, didn't really appreciate all the convo Megan and I had about the bearded dragon, nor <laughs> in business in, in business proposal. It was in the business wait, proposal podcast. Amy said we're not even allowed to say the word spirit and dragon. Already broke the rules. So we already violated we already that. violated. Apparently some listeners just didn't love 12 minutes of content about feeding <laughs> these animals. I don't know why. I thought it was riveting radio. But others did not. And so there was a comment that said, they were looking to hit the eject button until Amy came in, and now they feel like there's a save us Amy button in the podcast, which I thought was funny-ish. <laughs> and so we took it to Instagram, we did a poll, and we asked listeners, does the podcast need to come with a save us Amy button for when Megan and I hijack the podcast and turn it into a lesson in mealworm anatomy? Listeners at this point are 76% saying, yes, we do need the Save Us Amy button. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess, Amy, as much as you're crashing our party, the people at home like it. (laughs) Leah and I just want to talk about our bearded dragon toes and you want to be a and you want to be a party pooper. If only, if only there, like, if only said button, like, if there really was a button, it turned the podcast into sort of, like, choose your own adventure or, like, skip this part, you know, kind right. of thing. Right. If you would like to skip ahead, yeah, but do you want to keep going with the bearded dragons and mealworms or would you like to skip ahead? I've also, my kids occasionally listen and um, I'm getting a lot of feedback on our segues. <laughs> I get critiqued now on what our segues sound like. None of it, none of it positive. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, moving on from this to, I wanted to also just touch on a couple of things as well. So last week for the Semantic Air podcast, I I don't know because I haven't listened. I felt like my energy was a little low. And I would say it felt low because before the podcast started, I spent about 23 minutes weeping. <laughs> to make it an Amy. And so considering I was sobbing, I felt like maybe that came through weird in the podcast. And why was I sobbing? I will tell you. Because 
my husband was mountain biking in a race and someone came up on his side and instead of saying on your left or, you know, whatever you do as a courtesy to pass, they just tried to barge it. And I don't know how this happened, but they got tangled together and my husband's pinky finger got crushed. So he had a damaged pinky and it was on his non-dominant hand. I love how we have to specify that. It's on his non-dominant hand. <laughs> he, he is, um, he is going to make it. It was touch and go for a bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay. So he, this happened and I, I work at a university and I had to give a lecture and, and I saw my phone was starting to blow up and I noticed that it was, you know, my husband like name over and over and over. And he, you know, doesn't ever communicate with me. So I was surprised. <laughs> to see this level of communication coming and I didn't have any ability to look and see. So I finished the class and just to like, I'm going to get this, make this a fast story. But the next day I was due to jump in the car at dawn and drive to Las Vegas to go see BTS. I like BTS in an amount that is not unhealthy, but is like a lot. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't want to climb into Jungkook's bathroom at night. <laughs> But I will spend more time than I should watching, um, you know, Instagram reels or TikTok videos of the group. And I am aware of many, many idiosyncrasies. And I spend a lot of time talking to people now about, you know, I don't even know. I don't know how it's my life, but it is my life. So it means a great deal to me to be going. With your daughter, too. It wasn't just you. Yeah, I was going with my daughter. You know, I'm trying to pretend like, you know, it's for her as well. But no, it's not. It's just about me, really. And she's just like... (laughs) I'm I'm trying to throw you a bone here. No, I'm saying, look, there's a Venn diagram in parenting where it's like, (laughs) what do I like? What does my kid like? And if you can put them over each other in that middle... That's when, like, you're in the money as a parent. I've learned that. And I don't know why you would not ever just want to live in that space. Like, why do you want to live in the space that's, like, what you don't enjoy? So, that all being said, the pinky was broken to the point that my husband had found out he needed hand surgery. And he was going to be booked in for hand surgery on the Friday. And so that meant that he would be getting put to sleep for a couple of minutes and he would need to have someone <laughs> there with him. Minutes. And like, he was worried. I am under playing it. He doesn't listen to the podcast, so I won't get in trouble. But like, he was not, he was, he was in his feelings about his finger. And then I was in my feelings about BTS <laughs> and realizing <laughs> that like, I think this is all going down the drain. So there was a lot of like, okay, well maybe I can salvage part of the trip. And then it was like, no, no, I don't think I can salvage any of the trip. And then I was like, who I am, you know, I am Leah. I can salvage any shit ever. And I can always find a way. And it was like energetically, the universe just came and shut every door available to me, which was disorienting because I can almost always find a way to make something work. And After this, on the day of the surgery, he basically said, I feel as if it's okay if I can be home by myself for a short amount of time while our son babysits me and you can leave and I can stay alone with the pinky. And I thought, you know what? I think it's going to be too expensive. I don't think I can get a flight. The reason I hadn't booked a flight before was because flights were so expensive. And I just fucking went in like Mozart composing the Requiem on the computer, just like, And I found a flight. I found a flight that I was like, fuck it. I can like kind of mostly afford this. Booked it. 
And uh, Bronte and I, my daughter, got to BTS. We soaked in, and I will be talking on a podcast next week about the concert, so I won't give too many spoilers away. I will just say it was everything I needed it to be and more. But if I was a little weird last week, that was the whole point of this. It was because I didn't think I was going, and I was ugly crying about it and was no longer a grown-up. I was just like... What is it, your id, when you're reduced down to, like, I was, like, a three-year-old who's, like, (laughs) ice cream had fallen on the floor. Yes. But it was, like, ice cream that looked like sugar. (laughs) (laughs) And it was rare to see you like that. I mean. Yeah, I don't get really worked up. I didn't cry when I didn't yes. cry when my yeah. children when were born. I and I and we both sympathize. We no, were upset for you. We wanted to, we wanted you to go. Absolutely. We know how much you were looking forward to it. <laughs> but why would I? Why would I cry? I wasn't gonna cry when my kids were born. I was fucking waiting for someone to give me a gold medal. But I will say this: is that, and I want any woman who's listening to think about this because okay, Megan, like not all. You know, many women have had many different kinds of surgeries or procedures or had different things done. Megan and Amy and I have all, you know, birthed children in different formats. And I will say that, like, for me, I I had three C-sections and I had one miscarriage, which was like a DNC. So I've had like four procedures in my body around having children that like is a woman centered or, you know, a person with the ability to reproduce. I have those things in me. So... I have been carved up like whatever that animal is in Star Wars at the beginning of Star Wars. A bantha. A bantha. Thank you, Amy, for ticker taping that out. And, you know, like, honestly, at that point, Han Solo or Luke Skywalker could have just slept in my, like, abdominal core. It was Luke Skywalker. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) My point is, is just like I have been conscious on a table carved up like a Thanksgiving turkey, like, a couple of times. And I feel like I made possibly less of a fuss about it than what happened with this finger. Oh, I was wrong. It's a it's a tauntaun. I had to look it up. It's a tauntaun, not a bantha <laughs> that he slept in. I'm sorry, because I didn't want to get called out on that. He got he slept in the tauntaun, but a bantha is another big thing, too. Well, I, I've been a tauntaun. And anyone else who's ever had a C-section, I tauntaun you, too, because <laughs> that shit's no hey, joke. Hey, <laughs> I've, been, I've been there. I've had two C-sections. I've had, I've had four abdominal surgeries. And... And have parented my way through them all. <laughs> well, I'm pleased to report that my husband has um, gotten out of bed. <laughs> We're like a week out. <laughs> and I'm not going to talk about it anymore. All I can say is, blessed be that I'm I so went glad to you did. Honestly, seeing blessed your be. posts and stories and like the other afternoon army who went made me very, very happy. Amy, I see that you've just gotten a text message. <laughs> Good segue there. No, I really did. Like right before we started, I so slowly, slowly in my local life, I have been pulling local friends over to the K drama side of things, and it's been a joy. Um, and first, it was my friend Tracy who took months and months and months to watch Crash Landing on You, and I forgave her because she finally finished it. And then um, another mutual friend of ours. Um, we were talking to our friend Kirsten about it and she started watching it, um, a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about it over my spring break when I saw her and she has texted me periodically over the past couple of weeks as she's gotten to certain things happening. And it's been a joy to see her react the way that I did the first time that I watched. And she just texted me 
and um, with her reaction to the end of Crash Landing <laughs> on You, which I will be nice and not spoil for like the two of you who haven't seen it. Um, but please, not the two know, of us, know, but, but like, she... no, 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 two of you out there in the right. The yes, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. No, sorry. Like Leah and Megan, we all we've all seen it. Um, but talking about the ending um, and having a having a big feels reaction to the ending and and saying, oh my gosh, what am I going to watch next? Which was exactly how we all felt after we finished Crash Landing on You, because that was our our gateway K-drama. And and literally for me, because I didn't know what else was going to make me feel like Crash Landing on You did when I first watched it, I just went and watched all 16 episodes of Crash Landing on You again, because I just needed all those feelings. And I didn't know of, you know, I didn't know of Drama Beans and My Drama List and all the great resources out there for, you know comps or comparable dramas, nor did I know anybody else who was watching, right? Like at that time, like Leah and I had just started and we didn't know what else to do. So we just watched it again. Um, But now, folks, we've watched a lot of dramas and we love when people say, what should I watch next? Because all we want to do is talk to you about what you should watch next or ask you what you think we should watch next. And it's just it's one of the great joys of doing what we do is getting to talk about the thing that we love and finding more things that we love to add to the list. So that is what we are doing tonight. We are here to give you comps to our favorite dramas. That was well, great, shoot, man. That was like a segue we didn't even need to do. So <laughs> I did it. Uh... I did it. That was way better than Girl Scout Cookies <laughs> and Mr. Sunshine. So, you know, as writers, we often use and hear the word comps. And comps really just stands for, like, especially in, like, writing land, comparable titles. So, um, you know, books that might be considered comparable to our own for one key purpose. And that is really to show where your book is going to be shelved in a store or who your most likely audience is. And so everyone from agents to publishing sales folks to booksellers are all going to have an easier time understanding what your book is like or who its intended audience is for if a comparison can be made. Sort of like the, if you liked X, then you're going to like this. It also shows that you know something about the current marketplace and how your book fits within it. And I don't know about the two of you, but I see um, writers sometimes bulk at the idea of comps. Not so much in like the playground we play in, which is genre fiction, (laughs) but sometimes I see people who want to be like the specialist snowflake to ever snowflake. Um, And not to be like a bucket of ice water to the dreams of literary originality, but like even books that are commonly agreed upon as being you know, incredibly literarily important have comps. So I'm going to use an example like The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald, because most of us who grew up in the USA had to read it in high school. Um, And, you know, this book explores themes like class, upward mobility, generational change, and shifting ideals. And so, you know, I thought about it, and a comp I'd give for this is another, another title that came out actually the same year it was published, in 1920. Um, And that's The Age of Innocence by Edith Wharton. So although this book is set in the 1870s, it also explores class and wealth and includes who has it and who does it. So my guess is that, you know, if you like The Great Gatsby, you're probably going to like The Age of Innocence. And then a Hollywood legend, I don't know if it's true or not, but I think it's a damn good story, is uh, the movie version of Cujo was originally pitched as Jaws on Paws. So whether or not this is true, you can like, again, see how it works, right? Those three words immediately tell you what the movie's about, where it's going to fit into the marketplace, and who's going to want to like see it. 
So, you know, it's like Jaws or any horror movie that involves some sort of big, bad, scary animal attacking innocent people. And, you know, with the paws, we know the animal's probably like a dog or like, I don't know, a mountain lion or a bear. So today, you know, we're talking about comps and how they're going to help guide us into what we want to watch in K-drama. And again, just that whole idea that if you like X, you're going to like Y. So, you know, first off, why do you think it's human nature to look for comps? You know, I think we all know that we just we like what we like. So it makes sense to try to find more of what we like. And it could be an actor like, you know, hello, Gong Yu, Lee Min Ho, Lee Jun Gi, a trope faded mates, enemies to lovers, or even a specific genre. Like there's those of us in this podcast who love historical dramas and there's those of us who don't. Um, and, you know, we like what we like and we look for more of what we like. Like I love paranormal and contemporary. Um, and, and so I look for more of those. And the point is that when we consume media, we tend to look for more of the same once we find something that sort of fills our bucket. And it just, it kind of just makes logical sense that you're going to gravitate towards something that you already know that you enjoy. Yeah, I agree with what Amy said. I'm also very much a mood reader and watcher. So sometimes I actually like to completely burn myself out on a trope or archetype until I'm kind of like ready to move on to something else. So I thought something that would be fun is what's a pitch that you personally have made for a book and the comps that you used? So I I did not go with any of my own books because I just did this like in my day job recently. So I thought it was fun. So I'm going to go all librarian here for a second. Um, Cause I recently made this pitch to a student at my school. So I work in elementary K through five and one of my fifth graders the other day was looking for a fantasy series and he'd already done Harry Potter and loved it and wanted to know, you know, is there anything else like it? Which that's, you know, that's a pretty specific comp because Harry Potter is so iconic. And, you know, what are you going to give a kid who's looking for something, you know, witches and wizards. So I recommended the series called The Familiars. And it's like Harry Potter in that it's all about wizards and magic, but it's told from the point of view of the familiars or the magical animals that get paired with the witches and wizards. And so the first book is from the point of view of a stray cat who is pretending to be a familiar to get out of some trouble, but later learns, tiny spoiler, that he has latent powers he never knew existed until he meets up with the right wizard. So needless to say, my Harry Potter fan was sold and checked the book out. And this is literally like the best part of my job and why I became a librarian, because I get to basically like talk about the books that I love, the books that my students love, and we get to do stuff like this, like share comps and give each other reading suggestions. Um, And it's just, it is, it's like, it's literally part of my job to be able to do I love that. that. First of all, that series sounds really cute. And I love that you had something for the student and that they were then able to check out a book. That's really cool. So I sold a series to Grand Central Publishing with this comp and pitch. And it's still one of my favorite pitches out of all the books I sold. Uh, the, the I'm going to put in actually like what or I'm going to talk about what actually my agent pitched. So it's a different series and title than what the books ended up being. So it's called The Underground, a romantic suspense series where Fast and the Furious meets hackers, starting with Crash and Burn, in which one man forms a ragtag group of elite techies to exact revenge on the man he holds responsible for killing his brother and finds the one person who can help them the most is the woman he's always wanted, never touched, and forever vowed to protect. So um, 
Yeah, it's I pitched it as Fast and the Furious, which it's like the movie franchise, which if, <laughs> if you all like know a little... I know, I know. And if you all know a little bit about me, like those those movies are just good fun. (laughs) And then the movie Hackers, which is amazing, amazing. Like you had me in Hackers. Yeah. Oh my gosh, amazing, insane. Angelina Jolie is so great in that movie. It's just really, really cool and flashy and pure. Wasn't it in the eighties? I think nineties. No, what was was the very nineties? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, by the way, the book the, the book ended up being called Zero Hour, but yeah, that's one of my favorite pitches. And I think comps that's like this meets this. I think that's something editors like. It's something agents like. So as writers, we often try to come up with those comps. Yeah, and you know what? As much as I like don't love Fast and the Furious, I liked your series, and I think it's a really neatly done um, comp. And a good pitch. So well done, you. And so one I had that just came to mind, I was trying to think of one, and the first one that jumped in my mind, um, this is a little bit dated now, um, but actually, Amy, you were on this journey with me of Heart of yes. Dixie. Yeah, I was. Yes. Okay. So I loved Heart of Dixie. Like, Amy and I went through, actually, our precursor to was K-dramas Heart of was Dixie like and C- yes, CW. CW. We were, like, was, we literally, we were obsessed we were like, with we need, CW. We need to write for the CW. I actually do remember like, your we CW. We need to write for I remember <laughs> Yeah. And Megan and I were like, or yeah, Amy and I were like, we need to figure out like, why, why are we not writers on CW? We are like fucking born for this. <laughs> so, okay. So Heart of Dixie was a drama that, or, you know, a show that meant a lot to me, um, which was surprising because I just didn't think I would like it at all. It's like, you know, office romances where I was like, of course I'm not going to like Heart of Dixie. And I loved it. So I pitched a, um, a book that was Heart of Dixie meets Best in Show, if anyone remembers, like the dog mockumentary. And it's called It Happened on Love Street. And it's essentially about a, uh, you know, big city girl, not from those parts, <laughs> who for reasons ends up in a small Georgia town. Her intended job falls through and she ends up needing to make fast ends meet as a professional dog walker. However, she doesn't really like dogs, and she happens to fall for the swoony hot veterinarian. I love that of so much, town. and that's a great comp. Awesome. Part of Dixie meets Best in Show is a great comp. I was going to say, like, speaking of CW, I don't like was Gilmore Girls CW. I'm like, I'm drinking out of my my Luke Steiner mug right now, and it just made me realize that I did pitch my most recent release, The Bloom Girls, as like the Jewish Gilmore Girls, and that's why we titled it The Bloom Girls. So, yeah, I mean, like, just simple things like shows that, like, evoke something. So the final the final season moved Right, to it was CW. originally on the WB. Do you remember the WB? So didn't the WB turn into the CW? Yeah. Yeah, I think I it think, did. I think, like, they changed. So that's what I was like. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait, isn't that even more CW? It's the WB first. Right. Yeah. It just shows that we love the shit out of super tropey. I do. mean, like, well, you remember we loved uh, Jane the Virgin for a long yes, time? Yes, but I never, I never finished it because it got... I didn't either. It went, it went, well, off, the it went rails, off the rails, but it also, it's one of those things. And here's, here's another thing why, why K-dramas sort of keep us. So things like, like Western series will take like a mid-season break and I'll get out of the habit of watching a show. Like if I'm watching a show live, which it, it I was watching Jane the Virgin live. And when it goes on like a two month hiatus or something, I get out of the habit of watching it. When it starts back up again, it's no longer a part of my life and it's hard for me to get back into it. Whereas K-dramas... But, and it went. It did. It was which, which happens welcome. to a lot of Western media because it's season after season after. Wait, season. did you know that uh, 
they're doing a remake of Jane the Virgin as a K-drama. Well, I'm here yeah. for that. I did not, and I am definitely here for it. It's yeah. called Wuri? I don't know how to pronounce that. W-O-O-R-I, the Virgin. So, yeah, it's going to be on SBS starting on May 9th. Oh, damn. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, there we go. Look at this. A comp. A comp. <laughs> Speak of the devil. If you like Jane the Virgin and K-drama, check out Wuri. Yeah. So, Okay. Before we get into uh, like a drama, like a favorite drama and comps for that, I thought it'd be fun to kick things off with, we all have kind of like our own little favorite hunk of spunk actor. Hunk of <laughs> And so, spunk. you know. <laughs> Is that something that, that exists? Is that phrase, does that phraseology exist? What? What, what was that? <laughs> that sounds so raunchy. <laughs> or sounds like she's an 80s mom, like trying oh, to like no, reel in the I kids. Went, I went for like the dirty, the dirty of Spunk. <laughs> oh, I thought I sounded like I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. That's how, that's how I heard it is. I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. So anyway, back to the hunky spunky. <laughs> um... <laughs> Why don't we each give our chosen hunk of spunk <laughs> and kind of describe like who they are and then not spending too much time because everyone's going to really know who they are. And then like if you like that actor, who else are you going to probably like what's something else you're going to like? Who's another hunk of spunk you're going to yeah, like? God. Oh my God, I can't even get this somebody out. Press, somebody <laughs> press the Amy button quick. <laughs> yeah, quick, hit the Amy button. Make me stop. So my hunk of spunk is uh, Ji Changwook, which should... I was... Hunk of Spunk is not going to become a regular thing on this podcast. It's already done. Hashtag hunk o spunk, like bit o honey. Amy just... She just goes, no. That really, Bit of Honey really brought it back into the 21st century, Leah. <laughs> I love the shit out of Bit you of Honey. You can't see this, Stop. but Amy just goes, no, and lowers her head and like shook it. So disappointed in us. <laughs> All right. So anyway. Okay. Yeah. Taking it back from Bit of Honey to Megan. So... Look, to me, Ji Chang West. I'm like, Ji Chang West? Like, what's that? No, I think like, Ji Chang's West. I was trying to say. Okay. Oh, so, to God. me, Ji Chang Wook is best when he plays this, like, exasperated, reluctant hero. Um, I know he's done some other work or whatever, but to me, this is where he shines. So comps for this type of hero and plot line. So I'm going to say like similar to healer or suspicious partner. Um, number one, uh, Anbo Hyun and military prosecutor Doberman. This drama isn't finished yet as of the time we're recording this. And I'm actually not caught up on all the episodes. But Anbo Hyun, he plays Dobe Man, which hence the name of the drama. It's kind of like a play on Doberman. Uh, and he's very much this like cunning character who doesn't want to be the hero and he gets really exasperated when he has to make the right moral decision and I would say again these kind of like reluctant hero roles um, while you were sleeping and prison playbook are decent comps for this as well okay Amy who's your hunk of spunk 
Oh my god. <laughs> Who's gonna actually like save me? Like if there's the save as Amy button, what what do I get to press? Nothing you're trapped in this hell. <laughs> it's like Hellbridge with knives. Okay. So um for me I'm going with surprise, Gong Yu. Um and Gong Yu has, you know, I, I think a sort of well rounded vibe. Um, for me, Gong, the vibe I get from him is both sort of mature and understated while also able to pull off playful and sexy. He's the kind of actor who puts me through like the whole gamut of emotions when he's in a drama that lets him shine like Coffee Prince or Goblin. Um, not saying anything about Silent Sea. Um, he's truly like the whole package for me. And I think another actor who gives off this kind of vibe um, in the couple of things that I've seen him in is Lee Joon-gi. Like, I first saw him in Flower of Evil, and I thought that he was the be-all and end-all of, like, quiet, powerful angst until he's forced to, like, erupt into unbridled feels. But then I watched him in Lawless Lawyer, and I realized that he could also pull off wit, humor, and, like, big-time swagger. So I'd offer out Lee Joon-gi as a Gong Yoo vibe. Um, And, uh, you know, if you want to get all up in your Gong Yoo feels vibes, try Flower of Evil. If you want more of a playful vibe, maybe Lawless Lawyer. Which also, like, has some bonus, you know, action elements as well. Um, and another one who I think kind of, you know, encompasses all this, a little bit younger, but still, like, gives off a maturity vibe, is Kim Soo-hyun um, in something like, you know, It's Okay to Not Be Okay. Because he starts out really with that whole mature, understated thing, but then gives us some really good playful bits when he loses up. But I, I would warn you that if you're going to go to It's Okay to Not Be Okay um, for this sort of vibe, that it is much darker um, well, I guess Flower of Evil is pretty dark, too. Um, but yeah, there, there's some darker elements in Flower of Evil and It's Okay to Not Be Okay than there are in Goblin. And I think because we have fantasy in Goblin that we have that sort of, you know, magical element that makes it feel like everything's going to eventually be okay. Whereas Flower of Evil and It's Okay to Not Be Okay, we have some some real, like, psychological, emotionally damaged people um, that go through some really dark stuff. But all in all, I think that Gong Yu's vibes transfer pretty well over to, to Lee Joon-gi and Kim Soo-hyun. And now my hunk of spunk. So I went with Kong ha because, you know, he's just, yeah, I love him. I love Why would you not? I love him. I love him and his Pez dispenser mouth so much. I was, was going to say, I hope you have, like, comps of actors with giant mouths. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can do a mouth like his. His mouth is just like its own. It needs its own zip code. <laughs> so first and foremost, when I think of Kong Ha Newell, this is me just kind of being a little like artsy, fartsy, whatever. But I feel like he really is like an actor's actor because like he looks like a snack. Um, but I just think he has such strong cat like craft. So when I see him go from something like me saying to when the camellias bloom, you know, and he pulls off both really authentically from like a very uptight, slightly unlikable corporate soul national university, willing to step on people to get where he needs to go type of character. Like he plays in me saying to this like, Blue collar, kind of dopey, hard on his sleeve, um, you know, winning a back saying award for his performance. And when the camellia blooms, I think you can see there's like a big gamut there. Um, and so if you're, you know, obsessed with Kong Han like me and love especially how he can be a total chameleon, then I'm going to say that you're likely going to love dramas or films that have Choi Woo Shook. 
Um, I feel like he also is an actor's actor. I think he can do everything from playing like a evil psychopath and like the witcher to being kind of a ingenue, uh, you know, baseball hero <laughs> fighting zombies and having existential angst when his friends turn into zombies on train to Busan to being, um, you know, kind of a con artist, uh, in parasite to being a artsy broken emo boy with boo-boos in our beloved summer. And he pulls them all off just like effortlessly. And also just because I really just think like um, Kong Han Nul can just really play that goober vibe just so well. Um, I'm going to also just say that I wreck the king's affection with Roon because I think that he has the same goobery vibe and can deliver on that. Um, just like a very powerful beta who um, is just, oh God, I don't even know. Just. I'm just going to, it's a hunk of spunk. It's, it's just what it is. It is. Leave it there. Just hashtag hunk of spunk. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's time for our favorite segment, our K-pop rec of the week. Megan, what do you have for us? So I have a group I haven't recommended yet and they are Cravity. That's C-R-A-V-I-T-Y. And I'm recommending a new comeback called Adrenaline. It's just a lot of fun, um, and the video's cool, as always, and yeah, I really like it. It's really catchy. So again, it is Adrenaline by Cravity. If you enjoy our podcast, you have our patrons to thank, at least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom. Because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoon Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, glow up your skin with K-merch recs, find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. Okay, so now we are going to get into uh, comps for specific dramas. So we're all going to pick one of our favorite dramas or our top favorite drama, and we're going to give you some comps for that drama. And okay, so Megan, why don't you start us off with your favorite drama and your comps for that drama? So um, is anyone surprised that I'm choosing Healer? Like, look, I, <laughs> I just love this drama. It has so much of just what presses my buttons. Action, mystery, childhood faded mates, all wrapped up in this like super sweet first love romance. So for those of you who don't know this drama, which like, come on. Why are you why are you even here? Like, go away and watch it and then come back. But anyway, Ji Chang Wook plays So Jung Ho, a knight errand boy who just wants to retire to an island by himself. 
But as he works a job, he meets Shae Young Shin, played by Park Min Young, and he begins to unravel the mystery of his past and his connection to her. So one thing I love most about Healer is the ridiculous action scenes. Like, look, I want to be entertained when I watch a movie with action. So give me crazy fight scenes with unnecessary parkour flips. Give me a villain with a yo-yo as a weapon. Give me these, like, ridiculous, daring elevator rescues. Um, So other dramas with kind of ridiculous action. And by the way, I say that with love. So Lawless Lawyer, because G- Lee Joon-gi is unmatched, truly, in that. And some of the fight scenes, they're they're a little bit more believable than Healer. They are. I was going to say, they're like a little bit more realistic <laughs> They're a little realistic. Um, and Lee Joon-gi does do like all his own stunts, but they're still like very, there's a theatrical element to it, if that makes sense. And then also Tell the Nine-Tailed. The action scenes in that are amazing, kind of ridiculous. There is one scene, I'm just going to say, where the brothers fight back to back. It's my favorite thing It's in the like world. one of my favorite K-drama scenes of all time. I saw someone tweet about it the other day and it just like took me back. So yeah, both of them just have action scenes that felt fresh and kept me glued to the screen. Healer also has my favorite hero archetype, which is an isolated loner who trusts no one and doesn't let anyone crack the cold ice surrounding his heart until the heroine. So these heroes often have been betrayed or let down by someone in their pasts. So comps for this include I Am Not a Robot. And look, I realized the other day that I really hadn't pimped out I Am Not a Robot in a while. Like, I, I haven't really gone, like, full... I'm not a robot fangirl. And that's really, that's really a travesty. Like that, I need to continue to be on my, my I am not a robot train because it's again, amazing. There's nothing like it. Uh, Someone on our Patreon called it the Holy Grail (laughs) today. And yeah, I agree. So I feel like we should i feel like actually we should have a password on our podcast like have you watched i am not a robot yet and if you haven't then you're like not allowed in (laughs) i'm just kidding i'm just kidding everyone is welcome i'm just kidding um okay so kim min q played by yu sung ho plays a fantastic isolated hero with a touch phobia who only has electronics as friends until he falls in love with a robot except she's not really a robot. Played by Shae Su Bin, she's very much human. And he starts out the drama like mean and cold and slowly turns into this like squishy, clingy puppy. He's so sweet by the end. Uh, my roommate is a Gumio, is another comp as Jang Ki Yang plays Shin Wu Yo, a Gumio who has lived like over 900 years and has very much hardened himself to any emotion. Like he's just very closed off. Um... And the very, like, I think one of the first scenes in the drama, his, like, female co-workers are kind of trying to, like, talk to him and flirt with him. And he's just, like, a a blank mask. Like, zero interest, does not care. Humans are basically a means to an end for him. Until he meets, until our favorite Hyrie, playing Lee Dam, comes along, Lee Dom, comes along and makes him care about something other than himself for once. And then Healer also has one of my favorite heroine archetypes. And that's something I kind of made up, <laughs> which is plucky heroines charging into dangerous situations. 
And like, look, we love when our heroes do it. So like, why can't our heroines? And you know, sometimes I like a little bit of damsel in distress, a damsel who's not completely helpless. Like she can kind of like do some of it. She just needs a little help in the end. That's kind of my favorite. And in Healer, Shae Young Shin is always putting herself out there for others and for a good tabloid scoop. And it's her pluckiness and drive that eventually break down Healer and get him to realize that she is the one person who won't abandon him like everyone else. So comps for this include Suspicious Partner, another Ji Chang Wook. Bong Hee, played by Nam Ji Hyun, is just really perfect as this like wronged lawyer, as well as Into the Ring, where Nana plays Gusei Ra, a plucky city council candidate. I think that there are a lot of dramas that are that are similar. If you really like Healer, I think you're going to like a lot of others. Just kind of maybe pick out what you loved about Healer and find that in another drama, which is kind of the point of the podcast today. <laughs> really, that's kind of what we're doing. <laughs> I know it's going to shock everybody that I'm going to talk to you about Goblin. Um, <laughs> I mean, I said it once. I'll say it again and again and again until somebody stops me and then I'll still say it again. Goblin, or Guardian, the Great and Lonely God, starring Gong Yu, Kim Goan, Lee Dong-wook, and Yu Na, is my one true love when it comes to top dramas. I've watched it three times in the span of a year. I've watched the bonus content. I've watched certain scenes on YouTube that no one should watch over and over again because they are too painful, but I don't know. Goblin is like the pain that I want in my life. And it's also the joy, which is why when I offer you comps, they will go into a variety of directions. Like, it's not just all about the sad love and the pain. There's a lot of joy in Goblin as well. So here we go. I'm going to start with paranormal romance comps because we've got, you know, a a magical being and a human. So uh, in Goblin, we've got Kim Shin, who is our Goblin, and uh, June Tak, who is our... Goblin's Bride, who uh, doesn't know that she's the Goblin's Bride at first and then doesn't know what she's supposed to do as the Goblin's Bride. And it's one of the things that I love about paranormal romance is usually we have this situation, this fated mate situation where it can't work. Um, And that's one of the things that I think is so fun about Goblin is you don't know how it can ever work. Um, And then we go to something like My Love from the Star or... As Megan would like to tell you all, it cannot be a star because nobody can live on a star because you would burn up if you lived on a star. So, um, But My Love from the Star with Kim Soo Hyun as a boomer alien stuck on Earth for hundreds of years who just wants to go home. And Jun Ji Hyun as a down-on-her-luck K-drama actress who's just trying not to be convicted of murder or get murdered herself. What's not to love? Also, this drama has one of my favorite second male leads in Park Hae Joon. Um... And uh, it's just, it's a super fun drama. And again, this sort of like, you know, how is this romance ever going to work? Because these two people literally live on different planets. Um, And it's, I will say it does have an interesting end. And then another paranormal romance that also happens to have Jun Ji Hyun at the helm is Legend of the Blue Sea, where she is a literal fish out of water as a mermaid trying to find her reincarnated true love and my bae, Lee Min Ho who is a con artist who for some reason takes this strange woman under his wing, even though he has no idea that she's the true love of his former self and also does not know that she's a mermaid. Um, the Both of these dramas, these two dramas are, are like comedy gold for Jun Ji Hyun. Like she is one of those people that I just makes me laugh so hard. And, um, but also in, Legend of the Blue Sea, Lee Min Ho gets some good comic scenes as well. And one of my favorites that I totally forgot about until I was prepping for this and I went back and rewatched some scenes because it's so funny. Um, but in Legend of the Blue Sea, when a certain turn of, turn of events happens, Lee Min Ho's character 
is able to hear the mermaid's thoughts. And there is, so she is staying in his apartment and she's like living in this loft above his bedroom, sleeping in her own room, in her own bed. But there's this one scene where she is freaking out in her head, like overanalyzing the situation between her and Lee Min Ho and, you know, what does their relationship mean and what does he want her to do and like, you know, all this stuff. And he is like exasperated, trying to go to sleep in bed, but can't stop hearing her thoughts about him. And it's just this adorable, fun scene. Um, and there's lots to love about that drama. Um, another uh, thing that goes on in Goblin is bromance. And look, I'm going to give you some more Kim Un-suk comps to go with the bromance in Goblin because Kim Un-suk holds the monopoly on bromance for me. Um, we have the most excellent bromance between Goblin and Reaper. The two of them as reluctant roommates who push each other's buttons but end up being besties. And then the comps are also, like I said, Kim Eun-suk. We recently talked about the trifecta of bromance in Mr. Sunshine with Eugene Choi, Gu Dong-mei, and Kim Hee-sung, three men who should at times, and almost do at times, kill each other, but instead become the best bromance we never knew we needed, and added much comic relief to a drama that is heavy on the feels. And finally, another Kim Eun-suk, the King Eternal Monarch Bromance Award, goes to Wu Do-hwan for playing doppelgangers Jo Young and Jo Eun-sub, who have the most amazing bromance. He has a bromance with himself. And if you, I mean, he nails these two roles so well that if you were to tell me that two different people were playing these roles, I would believe you. And finally, because sometimes we just want to see our, our favorite actors again in other dramas. I've got some actor comps for Goblin because, you know, we like what we like. And sometimes we just want to see Gong Yu or Lee Dong-wook being sexy as fuck. So I give you coffee prints for Gong Yu and Tale of the Nine-Tailed for Lee Dong-wook. If you want to see some of the sexiest kisses ever to be kissed, look no further than Gong Yu and Yuan Hai in Coffee Prince. And if you want to see Lee Dong-wook's pulsing sex neck vein, you need to see him as an enigmatic umio in Tale of the Night. Not Strangers from Hell. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. (laughs) That is not. That is (laughs) Amy's hit the Amy button. She's like all like... On her, like, moment with, like, the and sex bring in vein baby know, arm. And then... I'll just never forget that role. It's just bad shit. Yeah. I won't either. I won't either. That's re- those are great comps, all of them. I for- It's really funny, because that really is you. You love the paranormal. I do. Like, the, like the one paranormal being, the other one's mortal human, and then the whole conflict of how they can be together. Which I yep. love that, too. It's just, like, it's funny, because that's, like, quintessential Amy. It is. It's me. So, okay, I went for Mr. Sunshine, shocking, and um, I did not write an encyclopedia like Amy, so I'm going to be free-balling it. (laughs) Hang on to your tips. (laughs) So I just picked, like, themes that I thought were in Mr. Sunshine quite centrally, and then I found a comp to match that theme. So one thing that I think Mr. Sunshine, without spoilers, does excellently is that idea of doomed love. Who is doomed? Why they're doomed? I won't get into the details. You can listen to the podcast. You really should watch all 24 episodes and experience it for yourself. However, I think that another drama that does doomed love very, very well is Moon Lover's Scarlet Heart Ryeo. Ryeo? I don't know. <laughs> I've never known, actually. But that drama, um, which also has Kong Hanul, uh, Lee Jun Gi, and IU. Um, who not, who is, is not in that drama? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I mean, literally everyone is in that drama. Like, it's got 
95 hot prince brothers <laughs> so they basically find like every hot dude in drama and then they all have like their own bath like natural springs bath so they spend a lot of time just soaking together and bantering do. i mean right they knew what they were doing when they made that um but yeah you have a plucky heroine you have um and you have people you actually have three main guys who are into her much like uh mr sunshine and you also have uh, another female as well who's kind of a little bit in this love pentagram with them um so i mean it's not like an exact replica but yeah i would say doomed love lots of angst lots of uh men in their boo-boos who are looking really good while they're boo-booing and some uh real tortured sword sword play and family damage um, another one is enemies to lovers. Um, you know, Mr. Sunshine, we have, uh, you know, a lot, most of them are adversaries at the beginning before they kind of become on the same team. And so one that, you know, has nothing in common on face value, but really shares this trope well is her private life. And I would argue that Ryan Gold, who is like the hero of her private life, he kind of has a lot in common with Eugene yes. Choi. Yes, 100%. <laughs> I feel like they they have the same vibe. So if you like uh, Ryan Gold in her private life, you're probably going to like the lead, Mr. Sunshine, Eugene Choi, and, um, and vice versa. If you liked Mr. Sunshine you haven't given her private life a go, you're probably going to like the hero in that. Um. Also, damaged people who find healing in love. So, you know, not to beat this dead screaming deer too much, but it's okay to not be okay, which has a screaming deer. Um, and then also mad for each other, yeah. which, again, is um, the premise of it is what it sounds like, which is damaged people finding healing in love. Um then found family and Mr. Sunshine, there's a lot of found family elements and two dramas that I think have done found family better than almost any, um, you know, actually three, because I didn't put one on here that I think also does it really well. And that's Hospital Playlist. Um, but Hometown Cha-Cha-Cha and Be Melodramatic. I think both of these dramas have just an excellent found family, people who come together. It's not the family of, um, you know, birth, but it's the families that they've made together. And we see that also really well in Hospital Playlist. And I just love found family I would family say Startup stuff. has good found family, too. Yeah, totally. It does. It has very good found family. Um, then unapologetically badass women and badass alpha men who have their back. Mm -hmm. My name. Eight episodes, done and done. Like Kim Tae-ree and Mr. Sunshine is about as bad of a bad bitch as you're going to see around. And so is the heroine in uh, My Name. And then, you know, all these alphas have her back in Mr. Sunshine. And then we've got Adin Bo Yun doing what he does best in My Name. Then, you know, I thought historical, that's just not like the other girls. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Mr. Sunshine is a historical, but it's kind of on its own little vibe. It is. And... Look, Mr. Queen is what I went for. And Mr. Queen definitely has too much palace intrigue, as we heard from Amy and Megan wang-wang about it in our pod. They have too many queens. They have too much blah, blah, blah. And there's still a vibe, now that I've seen quite a few historicals, that it's still it's still kind of its own thing. It's got a modern sensibility to it because it's a body swap. It's funny. Um, and so while it has really nothing at face value with Mr. Sunshine, like I think it's just kind of a historical with a slightly different bent. So if you're looking for something that just feels a little bit left to center, eh, I'd say go for it. 
And then colonial trauma, because really Mr. Sunshine is very much anchored in this idea of, uh, you know, the rise of Japanese occupation and oppression of people. And um, so I'm going with Pachinko, again, not a K-drama, but a drama centered on Korea that's coming out. Uh, now it should be wrapped by the time this airs. And that really focuses kind of, it picks up where Mr. Sunshine uh, ends of really diving in deeply to that idea of, um, you know, what it meant to live under that kind of repressed, uh, occupied situation, what it meant to family, what it meant to culture, what it meant to, um, you know, just day-to-day -day life. So I think that that is a, another good comp uh, for that. I did hear too, Chicago typewriter, because that's set in Korea. Yes, yeah. yes. No, Thank it's okay. That was set in Korea me. in the 1930s, which we haven't seen it yet, but I, I want to, but I did hear that that's yeah. another really good one to watch after Mr. Sunshine. Yes, and it is on my list. And you to know do. who's in that? Our precious Sun Sun Woo from Reply nineteen eighty eight. Oh, I my just gosh, saw we that love our Sun Woo. I just saw oh, damn! Oh, that kind of yeah, went more to the top Maybe of my I'll list. I just saw it on the the cast list. So I like this is so fun because when I listen to all these dramas that we've watched that we've watched and loved, but we haven't talked about in a long time, like it's making me want to rewatch everything, but it's also making me want to watch all these comps. So. I love, I just, yeah, this is one of my favorite parts of doing what we do is getting to talk about what we love, why we love it, and what else is Yeah, like I have, it. like, a whole list of things. Uh, just even when I was, like, researching comps for this pod, I saw a bunch of dramas. And I was like, oh, I have to go back and watch those. and Right. Um, so we actually posed a question in our Patreon for our patrons on what dramas they were looking for um, to get some comps. And so we will talk about a few of those. We won't hit on all of them, A, because there was a lot, and B, because some we haven't watched yet. And so we don't, you know, we don't want to give you comps for stuff that we're not, you know, ready to give you comps on yet. But there were some good ones in there. Um, what do we want to talk about? So what we did get, um, a couple people asked for comps on Business Proposal, which is hard because Business Proposal was very freaking good. And it was kind of like a perfect rom-com. Um, I did do a little research for some comps, so I'm going to go through kind of like a list, um, and see if any of these interest you. I would say Touch Your Heart, I have seen, and I wouldn't say that that is a direct comp, uh, for a business proposal. It's a little bit heavier, not much, but a little bit, but it had, um, it definitely had the silly humor that business proposal had. Um, it definitely had like the little sound effects with like the blinking, like it was very, very good. And it, it, it's obviously a great one to watch after Goblin because it has you in a, and Lee Dong look getting their happily ever after in touch your heart. So I do recommend that one. So a couple others were Dolly and the cocky prince, which I also haven't seen, but I, I heard that the humor was similar. Also, My Secret Romance, Marriage Not Dating, So I Married an Anti-Fan, Let Me Be Your Knight, and Because This Is My First Life, which Because This Is My First Life is one I plan to watch like very, very soon, so I will let you all know. But uh, yeah, so those were some comps just from doing a little research that sounds like they could be similar to Business Proposal, but I'll agree. I feel like that was a pretty... A pretty, I mean, it was, it, it wasn't necessarily groundbreaking as a rom-com. I just feel like the writing was just so tight and the humor was so well done that it feels really hard to replicate. 
Yeah, I mean, we talked about it that we we felt like it was kind of a love letter to What's Wrong with Secretary Kim, which I know most people have have seen. Um, But if you haven't seen What's Wrong with Secretary Kim and you liked Business Proposal, I would definitely go back and give What's Wrong with Secretary Kim a watch because, I mean, Parks of June and... uh, uh, Parkman Young. Parkman Young, thank you. Oh my gosh, I can't can't think today. Um, Are such a great pairing and... Like just a great, I mean, office romances are are really really fun when they're done well, and these are both done really well. And a rec that we got as well online for business proposal is Boss and Me, which is a Chinese drama or C drama. I haven't seen it to vet it, but uh, that did come through on the recs online, and I would like to check it out. It's supposed to be quite pretty as well to watch, um, and that again is called Boss and Me. One of the dramas that came up in our in our Patreon that I, I think that we should try. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I would give as a comp for this, but for crash landing on you, like, cause I think, I feel like crash landing on you is its own thing. And like I said, early, you know, when I first watched it, I was like, what do I watch next? I don't know. And I watched crash landing on you again. And this is my friend right now is asking me, what should I watch after crash landing on you? So what would you guys recommend? I'm putting you on the spot. What would you recommend for crash landing on you, especially for somebody who's new to dramas? Cause they found Chloe on Netflix so, you know, I know a lot of stuff like we went right to Vicky afterwards, but not everybody has Vicky. So what's, you know, I'm thinking of like what's most accessible to people and what could, what could you do after crash landing on you? Well, I think at its core, it's enemies to lovers. So, I mean, it depends on if you want to play with like what trope you want to tease out, right? So, right. I mean, if I'm going to go off the top of my head with what I'm seeing, I'd say enemies to lovers or, you know, a group of friends doing life together because we see a lot of that, um, you know, especially in North Korea. Right. Like I love I love the whole ensemble aspect of it, which is where I would go to something like Hospital Playlist or, you know, the Reply series, like stuff that just has an all around great cast where you're invested in everybody. But then there's something like what about like um, a drama I haven't watched yet, but it gets recommended a lot and I feel comfortable recommending it because it's so beloved is if we look at this idea of like a successful woman who's looking for true love which is really you know what we see in Crash Landing is like you know we have a Chayball female which is really unusual actually um, is uh, search www I think that that could be um, interesting to check out because I haven't heard anything negative about it everyone always seems to really like it And it's a bit of a dark horse show that I think, um, you know, seems to like take a little bit of time finding its feet. But once it's going, it seemed to be um, really lovely because it's really women centric Um, and that the women all have a perfectly matched love interest and that they're all powerful women in their own right. I'm a little frustrated because I would have recommended 2521 (laughs) until (laughs) Until you finished it, the last episode. I just feel like I can't do that. I'm not going to, no spoilers, but I, I'm i not going to do that to someone who finished Crash Landing on You. Do you know what I'm saying? I need to <laughs> no. give them happiness. <laughs> and I'm not saying like no one, no one dies in 2521. It's just, it did not have the, hap- it did not have the ending I would have liked and a lot of other people would have liked. So it's a little frustrating because it was a really, really almost perfect drama. And but I don't feel comfortable like recommending it to a new K-drama watcher. Do you know what I mean? They're going to think that all K-dramas, you know, and kind of weird. I mean, I would say, honestly, good. I would say after Crash Landing on You, maybe good comps would be Goblin, which I know that they don't have that. 
on Vicky, but really, honestly, right. maybe the king, uh, Eternal Monarch, just because it was, it's very grand. It's this kind of like forbidden love in a way. Uh, I almost want to go I tell mean, the nine tails, which say I know is kind too. of bananas, but it's just like when I think of a hero that does. I would do anything. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not. I mean, there were some people on on, uh, (laughs) Patreon who asked for, like, kind of, like, more, like, mundane love details, which that is not Tale of the Nine-Tailed. But, um, I mean, that's definitely, like, grand, you know. But I I would say, though, in King, Eternal Monarch, there are some nice little kind of, like, everyday touches that he does for her um, when he can that I think are really sweet. No, Wait, but are we saying like, Crash Landing on You wants to be mundane? There's moments in Crash Landing on You that kind of have more, not mundane, but like the everyday little love things. Like he organizes her like kitchen, he sends her texts, like those like more like little things rather than. Oh, I see. You're saying that on Patreon, some people were looking for more yeah. of like the day-to-day real life mundane. It yeah. Is. But I think that's its own special, like, I think that's its own comp. Right. And, and it, right. And, and it was, uh, on the Patreon, I think it was Grace who brought, who brought it up and like gave some good comps, which was like, uh, go back couple and reply 1988, like stuff like that, where it's just like the day-to-day type stuff. But yeah, I, I think that the problem, it's not a problem, but the thing with crash landing on you is it has it's genre bending like it's got every you know it's romantic suspense it's forbidden love it's you know there's a lot of different sort of romance genres going on in there that it's not just one thing so you could go a lot of different directions it's just epic love like that to me i think is what yeah. draws people the most like i i truly do and so for me epic love would would probably be king uh, or the king eternal monarch you know maybe even tail the nine tailed again yeah the thing like i would crawl 20 hours in a tunnel. Yeah. Healer. Honestly, yeah. I would go Healer's back to Healer. An epic love. Yeah. I would do It's Okay to Not Be Okay to some degree in terms of just kind of like cinematic lushness. And that's on Netflix. So it's an easy bring over. And it's kind of also got a lot of like the found family. But it's also weird enough that I feel like the thing is, is that I with comp sometimes too it's if you like it, it could hit you in some of the same vibes, but is it going to be an easily re- like replicable experience? And sometimes no, like sometimes you have dramas that are like easily kind of more cookie cutter and they're going to like taste the same and you just want like that same hit over and over. Crash Landing on You d- does have so many beloved tropes that you can kind of tease out what you like. And that's where I would really then encourage folks to go back and think about what we've talked about a few times on like even its own pod, universal fantasy of like, what's the, what's the universal fantasy that you're chasing? Because you're not going to get exactly crash landing on you again. So you're going to think, what is the element that I'm like cracking out on that I want right now? Like for me, I cracked out on wanting Hyun Bin. So I watched memories of the Alhambra didn't love it it's like interesting and cool but like it really like left me a bit cold but like i chased it for that reason like i went in very intentionally like i want more human and so like what are you going to be chasing that you like wanted from crash landing and i think that can kind of help when somebody's asking you like what should i do next and you're trying to be like the good k-drama friend be like you know what's the fantasy element that you want to get to and then i can help you line that up right Right. Like I went all I went all the way back to Secret Garden for, you know, to fill my my Hyunbin well. Um and it's definitely it's definitely not Captain Rijong Hyuk in <laughs> in Secret Garden. I mean, it's is a 
different Hyun Bin, which was really, really fun to see. I will say that. But it, it wasn't filling the... Well, like Leah said, that was today's podcast, basically. It's like, let's take the elements of our favorite dramas and give comps to those specific elements. Because, yeah, you're right. There's always going to be something special about right. that drama that hits your button. And so try to pick that out and then see what other dramas are similar. I mean, I will say my drama list does have some really good recommendations. Like if you, you know, you look up Healer and then you click on the... Why don't you say what my drama list is too? For some listeners won't know what oh, my drama it's list is. Oh, it's a website where you can rate and review and also like keep track of your own drama watching, your own ratings and things like that. And every drama has a recommendation tab. And what's interesting is users will like say why they think it's a good recommendation and so that's kind of interesting to read too so since we since we can't get to all of our patreon comps and we haven't watched all of them we're going to toss it out to you listeners and we're going to give you some some comps that our patrons threw out to us and you know we'd love you to tag us on instagram with your comps maybe to these dramas or you know in our comments for our show announcement so we've got um our beloved summer business proposal the Beauty Inside, I Am Not a Robot, Mr. Sunshine, Reply 1988, Run On, uh, The King Eternal Monarch, Tale of the Nine-Tailed, uh, Chloe 2521, or Weightlifting Fairy, um, that came from the same person, Mystic Pop-Up Bar, and Soundtrack. So that's a lot of a lot of dramas on there that, that I haven't seen yet that I'm like now like, oh, now I want to see these so I can see what it's all about. And yeah, some of them we have seen quite a few as well, but you know, we don't want to, we don't have the ability to be here all night. And so I think that would be fun to, if anyone's listening and wants some homework, please tag us on Instagram. It's at Afternoon Delight Podcast. And we'll, you know, we'll share your rec for like, you know, pick one of the dramas and give us a comp for it and we'll share it. Do it. Let's all do this together. We're all in it together. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> do what it. movie is that from? Starsky and Hutch. Oh God! It's Ben Stiller from Starsky and Hutch. Oh, I was like, it's a, it's the Nike slogan. No, Ben Stiller and Starsky and Hutch. Do it. Just goes, do it. Yeah, I don't oh, even. Do how it. did I even watch that movie? <laughs> yeah, I'm shocked you watched Starsky and Hutch. That is not. I mean, I know. Do you? it. Do it. Anyway. Oh well, what are we watching? Um, I started Our Blues, and. I like it, and I don't know if it's going to be real sad. It's hard to know. It's, like, sadly funny or funnily sad at the moment. So the verdict is out, and uh, the word on the street I am going to back up at this point, which is 10 out of 10, it needs more Kim Woo Bin. Everything 10 out of 10 needs more yeah. Kim Woo Bin. I'm flying this weekend, or this week, I'm flying tomorrow to Indiana for some work, and I will be watching... Uh, our blues on the plane and i'm assuming that kim Bin is not going to stay underutilized and will be brought in a little bit more i'm still just watching pachinko um just week by week because i am at a book deadline and cannot binge anything until i turn in this book on may 1st which hopefully by the time you hear this i will be done with that and back into my normal drama watching. But I am really enjoying Pachinko, which we will continue to say is not a K-drama, but a drama about Korea. But it is, um, it's very well done. Um, I'm finding a lot of differences from the book, but also um, a lot, 
a lot of stuff that's staying really true to it, and, and I'm enjoying it. And the actors in this are just outstanding. And we are going to do a pod on this. Yes. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I actually started the Pachinko audiobook yesterday. So, Yay. yeah, I really like the narrator, and I'm really enjoying it. So I stalled out on another Miss O, and I really don't think it's the drama's fault. It's me. Ugh, I really don't like the male lead, like, at all. <laughs> He's such a, like, just a douche. And... <laughs> he is not and, like, a not spunk. even a funny douche. He's just, like, a sad, sour douche. <laughs> so I'm like... Like, buddy, your life is not that rough. Like, come on. Like, let's let's smile a little. I don't know. So I'm 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 I stalled out, but I really like the heroine, and I feel like the premise is really cool. Like, there's a lot going on that I think can fill out like a full drama. So I really want to pick it back up, and so I don't know. Hold me to it, people, or tell me because I know a lot of people really love another Miss O. So like, what? I think it just. I was watching it at a time um, when I had to finish a book and I just wasn't focused on it, if that makes sense. So I think I just have to get back to it. So that's it. Well, this was another fun-filled week together. Amy didn't have to hit the button too many times on us. Woo-hoo. Not too many times, no. We stayed clear of yeah, the Yeah, we will see you all next week. Annyeong! Annyeong! Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to afternoonadelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T dot com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, annyeong!